And now we take time to hear our Father's word and see how he might lead us this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, and hold on to that text. We'll begin with verse 11. And then in my Bible, if you'll turn over 10 to 15 pages beyond to Colossians chapter 1. So we'll begin with Ephesians chapter 4, and then to Colossians chapter 1, to the great text in the Bible about what should happen when we are in a church like this one. Let's stand together because we indeed are going to be hearing our Father's word. Verse 11. It was he, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the whole body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and all become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, We will, in all things, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And then in a similar passage in the book of Colossians, chapter 1. And here I want to begin with verse 25. The Apostle Paul writes, I have become its servant, that's the servant of the church, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery That has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the nations, among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. And this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, this is the final Sunday of 2008. And uh, this morning I want to do something that we haven't done before. I want to bring you into some of the discussion that your pastors and your ministry council have been having for this past year. In fact, it's all about why we even have a church like the Lake Avenue Church that's located right here. Why do we exist? Why are we here? And if you're going to be a part of a church like ours, what might you expect should happen in your church? Now, when we ask that question, why is a church here? You know where we have to find that answer, don't you? Well, we've got to find it from this word. Because, as I say so often, this isn't my church. And it isn't a church that belongs to the ministry council. And it isn't yours. It's his church. That that before God created the world, he said, I'm going to have something like this. A, A place made up of people, rescued people from every tribe and language and nation. Who, who come together into one family, an unexpected family, 
We may have never wanted to be in with some of the members of this family, but God's pulled us together to bring glory to his name. Now, I'll tell you, the word that is at the center of the purpose for the existence of the church is the word gospel. Do you know what that word means? I know it's a term almost only heard in church. Sometimes you'll have a book or a movie that's named the gospel of this or that. But but the word is a a beautiful and, and an easy one. It just means good news. It means the God who created the world has good news for the whole world. A world that his word declares that he loves. And it's not just for the world, something that we carry to the world, something that we tell others about. But it's also individual good news for you. In other words, when you come into this church, I have news for you that's still good. God isn't done with you yet. And the main center for distributing and and enacting that good news is supposed to be a church like the Lake Avenue Church here in Pasadena. And there are two texts that we have been turning to as, uh, as your ministry council and pastors to direct us because we think everything, everything that happens in this church should move toward that purpose uh, that God has given us for the church. And those two texts are the ones that I've read to you, Colossians 1, 28 and 29 and Ephesians 4. Let me show parts of those to you again. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. I'll show it to you in, in one of the versions that uh, you may be carrying with you. But then I'm going to come back. And if you read the worship folder, I'm going to give you a way Brightian translation of uh, what the Apostle Paul wrote. Uh, in most of the versions, it will say something like this. We proclaim him, Christ. And then it says, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Let me tell you literally what the Apostle Paul wrote. We proclaim him, Christ, and it says, admonishing each one and teaching each one uh, in all wisdom. So that we may present each one fully mature or perfect in Christ. That, That phrase, each one, is repeated three times in one short sentence. And I can imagine that the translators thought, oh, people will get bored reading that. But I find it to be rather thrilling. It helps us to see that each one who is a part of the family has some potential good news. That the mission of the church is to be involved in the lives of of each one. And that we have a message to carry out to each one in this world. So I like to emphasize those just as the Apostle Paul did. So that as we look at this, we see that the goal is to proclaim Christ and to teach and admonish in wisdom so that each one may become complete in Christ. Uh, I've almost put it, uh, each one complete. That's all we're after. Each one who's a part of our church family, hearing about Christ, each one becoming more of what God would have you to be than you are right now. That's what the church should be involved in. And in Ephesians 4, that is underscored. There we see it was he, it was Jesus himself, who then gave some to be pastors and teachers. So there are a few that he pulls out of the marketplace and to be involved in other people's lives. We often think that all the ministry should happen from the pastor and teacher, but really the pastor should be involved in this to this end. Some are to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people. Well, that's you and me for works of service. 
so that as we're involved with one another and serving one another, the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and all have unity in the knowledge of the Son of God and we all become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So as you look at that, you see that what God, the mission, the good news is that there is hope for every individual, each one, and that once we respond to this Christ who is proclaimed, the good news is God will not be done with you until each one, you and, and I and all, until each one of us is complete in Christ. Now to see that, I want to pull back again and try to think about where is God in this process? What does his family look like? Is each one complete? Do we have healthy churches? And as that question was raised with a major uh, African leader, uh, Tacumba Adiemo, uh, he was told that the African church, I said, there it is, Aha, see that picture? He drew this, probably was not an art major, my son told me. Uh, Dr. Adiemo said, many people talk about the African church because it's the fastest growing church in the world as being a mile wide and a quarter inch deep. He says, I don't think that's a good way for us to envision this. He says, as the church is growing, we've got to think about it in those biblical terms. Think about it as a body. He says, the way that I look, his evaluation uh, of that fastest growing church in the world is that right now the church has had not much op opportunity to learn the faith. So the head, he said, represents doctrine. See that? He said, so the, the, we just haven't been able to learn about God, uh, what his word says about the world, and what his word says about how to live. And so that he feels like there's a deep need of training and teaching. But he says, the body represents the numbers. Yes, he says, we have a lot of people coming and it's growing rapidly. But because the mind doesn't know how God would have us to live, our service, the feet and the legs, our service and our practice, our obedience to the word is also weak. So he says the only way that a body like that can go is down. Uh, now, I wonder if some of us would draw the Lake Avenue Church. What would we draw? If we were to draw the American church, what would we draw? Uh, people sometimes have said that we would draw a big head because we have so much knowledge and so many books and Christian radio and television and so much. But do you know what's happening in America in the church is our knowledge of the word and of basic Christian teaching has been diminishing. Uh, for 12 years, I was a Christian college president. We gave a, a, Christ, a Bible content exam to every incoming freshman. And do you know what's happened since 1972? Every year, every year, the amount of knowledge our students bring with them into the school has been declining, even from churches like ours. I think in America, we started teaching back in the 60s and 70s that content learning isn't good education. But the problem is you can't practice what you don't know. So it seems like we might have a shrinking head. Uh, the numbers have been rather flat. The service has has not been all that it should be. And if I think about the legs and the feet of the American church, you know, surveys show that our way of life of those who claim to be churchgoers is not always all that much different from the world as a whole. So it seems that if God is going to fulfill this mission of making each one of his family members complete in Christ, that we have some opportunity in a church like the Lake Avenue Church. Now, this morning, I want us to think about that as a church. I also want you to think about it individually. 
If you would think about your own knowledge of the word, whether you're a growing student of the things that God teaches as your mind, how would you draw that right now? If you would think about your own inner being, your, your thought life, your, your emotions, uh, your way of thinking about people as your body, where would that be now? If you would think about your legs and your feet as your service, uh, carrying good news to others, uh, serving other people, how would you draw that? Maybe you want to think about that as the beginning, as we pull back and look at Colossians 1:28. Because as we start, I want us to think again about this mission of God in the world and in your life. What is the end of all the activity that a church engages in, in the name of Jesus? There are three points I want to make. First of all, Jesus has told us that there is a goal of global proclamation. That's what I'll call it. Jesus has said one of the purposes of the church is simply to make sure that the message of hope and new life can reach from wherever we are and have heard it to others. And there are many texts that point it out. I'll show you a couple. Jesus himself in Mark 13:10 said, listen, this good news, this gospel must first be preached to all nations before I complete my work. Or again, in Luke chapter 24, just before he uh, just after he, he had risen from the dead. This is what we read. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in the name of Jesus to all nations. Do You see the promise that somehow before God completes his work, all people groups are going to have the opportunity to hear some of this good news. Or in Acts 1, 8, just before Jesus ascended to heaven. He turned and turned to his followers and said, you will be my witnesses. Yes, it will start in Jerusalem, but it can't end there. It's got to move to Judea and beyond to Samaria. And in fact, it will go to the ends of the earth. Now, I'll tell you, this is a part of the teaching of the church that has led to what Lake Avenue has been so involved in for this past century. That is sending people beyond just our geographical areas. Newcomers to the church, when they get to meet some of our what we call international staff or missionaries, say, now, why do you do that? Uh, why do you identify people and send people out and then give uh, to support people who will go? Do you see why we do this? God has blessed us with so much so that if we're involved in his mission, we simply must carry the good news of Jesus beyond our boundaries to places where people have never heard. So this is the motivation for so much of the missionary activity of the church, the simple mission of God as articulated in the scriptures. But second, it's not just the proclaiming of the message. Uh, there is the promise of global response. It's kind of an encouraging thing. It's not just that people are going to go out and preach the gospel, but among all people groups, people are actually going to respond to Jesus. Let me show you a couple of the verses. Matthew chapter 24, verse 31. Jesus said, and he, referring to himself as the son of man, will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect, his people from the four winds, from one end of the earth to the other. You see, there will be people in this unexpected family from every people group, every language and every nation. Not only that, in Matthew 28, verse 19, the part of the Great Commission, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, with the implication that there will be disciples from among all nations. And, of course, one of my very favorite passages in the entire Bible. I wonder how many messages that I preach without referring to this text. 
Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. I call it the Revelation 7-9 church. What I pray our church will be. That when the, uh, John was able to, to, to be given a glimpse of what this family of God is going to look like when God gathers us all together, he has this, is this what he sees? I looked, he said, and there was before me a great multitude that no one could count. That's our family, see? From every nation, tribe, people, and language. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God. He rescued us worthy as the Lamb who was slain. Now, I'll just tell you, these verses are what encourage us in times when the going is tough in Christian work. For many people who try to bring the gospel into difficult nations, there's the promise that even though at one point people may hold the message of Jesus at arm's length, God will still bring about a response among people. Now, people have to go. People have to go because how can people respond if they've never heard? And how will they hear unless someone preaches? Romans chapter 10. But it also encourages me in our own community. As sometimes I try to give witness to people and I know they want to hear nothing. I keep saying, but it's good news. (laughs) That even when people at one point are very resistant, God says, I will do my work so that among all people there will be some who respond some even as resistant as the apostle Paul was himself. So there's the promise that not only will the, the message be preached, but among all people, some will respond, but God isn't done simply when people respond. There's this third part of this larger mission, the promise of completion for each family member. I think I've told you this before, and so much of this message is just underscoring so much of the message that I preach to you. But the gospel is not just that you will be forgiven of your past sins, though God will do that, but that tomorrow can be different. That God promises he will give himself to us and begin this process of remaking us until each one, each one, each one of us is complete in Christ. It's what gives hope to all of us. Look at Romans 8, 29. The Apostle Paul said, listen, those whom God foreknew, he gave this destiny. He predestined to be what? Our destiny is to be conformed to the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. Or if you remember our study in in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 17 to 19, the prayer that you and I would experience how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is so that we could be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Or in these two great texts. Uh, Colossians 1 and Ephesians 4. Each one of us will be all God would have us to be. That is the mission of a church. It it energizes me that even though I I might look out into the community, I have the opportunity to proclaim Christ to the community and say, there is hope for you. God loves you. Christ came for you. And for those who believe, I can proclaim to us every week, even though this past week we may have fallen short again. Forgiveness is still available. And God has promised that he will work in our lives until each one of us is complete. Each one complete might be a good summary of the mission of a local church in a community like this one. Do you see the universality of this mission? It's a global mission. Each one includes all people, regardless of skin color, educational level, socioeconomics. Do you see each one has an individual application to you and me? It's not just everybody as, as, as a mass. It's each one of us that God loves so that a church is involved with hope in the lives of each one. 
And it's also holistic, complete in Christ. That where people are hurting physically, they're not fully mature or complete. We'll care about that and reach out to people who are experiencing injustice, who are suffering, that will care about those things and be a family that brings good news to people. When people are hurting relationally, when their friendships are broken or, or, or families are falling apart, that they won't be alone, but will find a church family who stands with them through those times. And of course, it applies spiritually. Uh, that those who don't know God have the hope of knowing a holy God, though we're unholy, because of Christ. You see, if we can pull up again uh, the picture of African Christianity and think about us in the light of it, uh, we might want to ask, where are we as a church? And our prayer as, as ministry council and as your pastors is that as people look at this church body, they will see a body that is growing in all of the right ways uh, to demonstrate to this world the health that Jesus Christ wants to give to his people and to each one of his people. Now, how does he do it? I'll have to just look at that quickly. Colossians 1:28 starts us off. We must start by proclaiming Christ. The, this, the means toward that end is that Christ must be proclaimed. I, I won't dwell on this because this was the, the message last week. We can't begin to be alive until we have responded to Jesus. Remember John 3.16, the, the imagery that Jesus used of being born a second time. Nicodemus says, wait, well, how can that happen? I'm an old man. <laughs> how can I go back into my mother's womb? Jesus, you, you misunderstand. Flesh gives birth to flesh. That's your physical birth. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. That's your spiritual birth. You need to come alive to God. And the way to come alive to God is to trust in Jesus. So a church, if it's going to be involved caringly, in the lives of the people of its community, must proclaim Christ. I don't know if you ever feel when you come in, Pastor Greg, you always simply point us to Jesus. Well, if you feel that way, I feel pretty happy about it. (laughs) Because that's the beginning point. We come alive to God. Hope begins when we trust Christ as our Savior. So we must proclaim Christ if there's going to be any good news for anyone. But that's not where we end. The book of Colossians uses two important words. A church must also be involved in admonishing each one and teaching each one in wisdom. Wisdom means a description of how God created life to be lived. So we need to take this word out and learn about God and learn about the world as he tells us about it and about how he created us to live. So that's wisdom. And the two parts of the same coin, the two sides are there. That means sometimes admonishing people, which means in the church family, this is sometimes the hard part, isn't it? When we get to know one another in a church family well and we see people walking away from God, then, then lovingly, not judgmentally, lovingly, we've got to call people back. We must speak the truth in love. That's hard for us to do. Uh, Often we err either in ignoring people and hoping they'll just do all right by themselves, or else sometimes we come across almost as holier than thou. Both are wrong. We've got to speak the truth with great love, with great humility, for we too are recipients of grace. Now, it really is how a family functions. Uh, I remember my mom was really good at admonishing me. She, she had the gift, I think the gift of some of you, maybe your mothers were like that too. Um, she would let me know when I was going down the wrong path, but I needed her to do that. I remember I, I told this story. 
I remember when I was a, a boy, I hate to tell you this, but I didn't like to go to uh, vacation Bible school. I grew up in a real small town, and I didn't like to be inside. I liked to be out in the hillside in West Virginia with our beagles. And that. So, so vacation Bible school after school was over. I'll tell you, that was like putting me in a straitjacket. But every year my mother said I had to go. Until finally one year she said, I think you're old enough to make your own decision this year. Good, I said, I'm not going. She said, you are going. I said, wait a minute. You told me I had the freedom to make my own choice. She said, listen to me. You will have the freedom to make your own choices when you have the maturity to make the right ones. We're going. Uh, I'll tell you this, too. I took a paper bag and I cut out eyes and I put it over my head and I made a sign And the sign said, my mother deceived me. I remember seeing the people at the church saying, that poor family, that poor family, the son like this. Well, it shows you how gracious God has been with me that now I call people to be involved in Bible school. But you see, this is a part of how a family connects with one another. I'll open this word, and sometimes when I open it, though I tell you it's good news, it's not going to feel good, right? When you read, this is how God would have you live, and you know you haven't. But I must do it. I must do it. And sometimes in, in our small groups, our Bible studies, as we get to know one another better as a local church family, a part of the life of the church is to admonish in wisdom. And the other part is to teach what the wisdom is. Not just to say what's wrong, but to say this is how God made us to live. This is why any healthy church must be a teaching church. This is why when we gather for worship... I must open up this word and as, as much as God gives me the ability, I must teach what this word says and try to help us to see how it might apply to us. This is why when you bring your children to our church, we're going to emphasize the teaching of this word. When you bring students to church, when young adults come and get into small groups or senior adults, we need to keep learning as well. Because the person that grows is one who is taught and admonished in wisdom. And then also, we must live in Christian community. That's why I pulled in the Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 text. Some are given the responsibility to be pastors and teachers, but all people are to be involved in service to one another. Sometimes a big church like ours with so many services, this is the hardest thing for us. But my prayer is, I don't want us to to run people off and become a small church. I really don't. I pray that we'll reach people and be a growing church, but I want us to feel like a small church. And the only way to have that happen is to find ways that we can get into one another's lives, into prayer groups, uh, Bible study groups, groups where we serve alongside one another so that we can both exhort and encourage because the way that a church family functions is we teach and admonish, but then we're close enough to one another that when we're having a hard time living for God, we'll have people who support us in prayer. That when we feel drawn to walk away from God, we'll have a brother or sister coming around and say, no, 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 this way, not that. And the way that each one becomes complete in Christ is that the church functions like that kind of a family where Christ is proclaimed where this word is opened and we are admonished and taught in wisdom and where we're touching one another's lives so that we can encourage and exhort one another toward completion in Christ. Now let me tell you that this mission is worth doing because the goal is each one mature 
in Christ. And the Apostle Paul in Colossians, writing from a prison, talked about his commitment toward that end. And I'll tell you, it's my commitment toward that end, too. I want ours to be a church where the gospel of Jesus is preached and proclaimed in the church, to the community, and to the world. And I want it to be a church where this word is opened and and his word is taught and a place where we are involved in one another's lives. And I'll tell you, if we will be that kind of a church, this will be an energized, energetic place. The Apostle Paul says, this is worth doing. It is toward this end that I strenuously contend with all of the energy that Christ so powerfully and mightily works within me. Churches that leave this mission lose their vitality. Uh, churches that say, well, why don't we just get involved in people's lives where they're hurting? We'll, we'll socially help them or doing good things. But if they lose the gospel and don't call people to trust Christ, soon they will become nothing more than a social club. On the other side, there are, there are churches that have become only teaching centers. Uh, without calling people to live that out, without calling people into community and involvement in serving one another so that we can all grow. And they too often become cerebral, dying entities. But where we proclaim Christ, grow in our love of him, where we learn his word and are involved in one another's lives so that we are all growing, it is an exciting place. And I pray that Lake Avenue might grow in that way in this coming year. How did G.K. Chesterton put it? Uh, You don't know whether you found anything worth living for until you found something worth dying for. Paul was sitting in a prison and said, I have found something worth living for and dying for because death doesn't take him away anyway. (laughs) And that is the end toward which we, as your pastors and ministry council, want to work and serve in this church. Uh, What should happen in your life if you are a part of this church? My prayer is that a year from now you'll be more complete in Christ than you are right now. That's my prayer. What will that look like practically? Let's look at our African friend up here again. (laughs) I do think it's, it's going to mean that we'll grow in our knowledge of the word and of God. I think our inner beings will grow and become more of what they should be. Some of those thoughts, patterns of thought, patterns of relationships that we know aren't pleasing to God will be cleaned out. We'll see new patterns beginning. And surely our legs and feet will grow because we'll want to serve one another. Now we're at the end of the year and my time is just about gone. But I want to conclude with a few pastoral thoughts for us as a church. I'll try to summarize them in just one or two words, just three of them. One, progress. Uh, I pray that our church will be a place where each one of us makes progress in our faith and love in this coming year. Um, Again, I pray that we'll be more mature a year from now than we are now, and I pray that for myself as well. Uh, That You look at your pastor and say, well, he's still not all I'd want him to be. But it seems a little better than a year ago. And in what ways? He seems to know God better. He continues to be a student of the word. His love for his people and for the people of the community seems to be growing and stronger and his willingness to serve people. That's what I pray you'll see in me. The Apostle Paul put it 
to Timothy in in 1 Timothy 4.13. Timothy, see to it that those who watch you as a pastor see that you are making progress in faith and doctrine. I I love that. It's kind of freeing for me. It it means that I, I, I shouldn't expect you to see perfection, but you should expect to see growth, but also I in you. I pray that this will be a place where we all may make progress. And may I recommend to you that perhaps sometime between now and the end of this year, you take out a journal and maybe you'll want to use that image of the African church and identify how am I in my knowledge of God's word? And what should I do that that knowledge might grow in this coming year? Uh, I'd encourage you perhaps to read through the scripture in 2009 so that you could hear God's voice through his word and learn what he teaches about himself and about life as he's made it to be lived. What about that inner, inner being? Are there things that you just need to give to him? They've trapped you. They've bound you for so long. And you're longing for freedom. Set me free, as, as John led us to sing. Make a change in me. You may want to give. Or perhaps you haven't been serving. Coming, receiving, learning. But no place to serve. Look at those. Make some commitments. I pray that each one of us might make progress, each one, because as each one makes progress, we grow as a whole. Second phrase, I want to underscore that word, each one. It really is my prayer that Lake Avenue Church will be a family where each one knows that each one is cared for. That uh, those who have been here longer will know that they're cared for by God's people and by God, but not just they, also those who are coming for the very first times. It means that all of us have to be involved in looking for people and caring about people. No one or two or five or 20 pastors can do all of that with the size church that we have. But I want us to take that phrase. The reason why I retranslated it, each one, each one, each one, is so that we would not miss the point that each one is valuable to God. And I pray that this will be a place where the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ might be experienced by each one. And even those who have just walked far away from God and whose whole lifestyles seem to be messed up and that sometimes churches have said, well, why don't you go to another place? I pray that this will be the place that they will say, aha, there I find a family that is ready to forgive and to receive and to get involved in my life. I I want us to take that each one more seriously than we ever have because God does. Because God does. And third, in this particular church, I want to join with your ministry council in asking you to be involved in at least three ways of connecting with us. We're calling them three essential connections. How can I be a part of this church, people say, so that I can grow to become complete in Christ? And there are at least three ways that that we think are absolutely essential for us to connect with one another. One, we do have to worship with one another. So already you've made a good start just by being here. <laughs> so I'm so thankful because it's as we worship together. We hear our father's word together and we sort of get the DNA of the church. We need to make a commitment regularly to gather together in worship. But we know that not everything can happen in this larger gathering. So second, I encourage you to find a community. And we want to try to help you find that community. I was going to put a card in the worship folder so you could fill it out. But no, I want you to work a little harder. <laughs> if, if you would like to become a part of this community, find a sheet of paper or put your contact information on it and give it to one of the ushers as you leave or go to our information booth. And then we'll have to set in 
and see if we can find, help you find a place where you can connect with a smaller group of people. It might be a morning Bible study at a local restaurant. It might be a place of serving uh, together in some place here in the church. But I, I pray you can find a community. It might be a Sunday morning uh, class. We have many of them. But you need to be involved in some community so that those one another's can happen. So we can pray for one another and know one another and exhort and encourage one another. And then finally, I'd urge you to find a place to serve. You know, the body doesn't grow unless it has some exercise. You, you can't grow physically if you're just sleeping and eating all the time. So there has to be a place of getting a little bit of uh, spiritual exercise. And that exercise is our service to one another in the body. Every one of us, each one is important. God, when you, when you respond to this Christ who's preached, he gives a spirit to you. And he gives you a role to play within his church. What is that role? Well, we're committed to trying to help you to find it. It might be if you haven't found a place to serve yet, you might want to take that first step in getting involved with our Rose uh, ministry. It's such an easy way. I'll tell you, as you're doing that together with other people alongside of you, when you work together, you get into one another's hearts and lives. Have you ever noticed that? Or it might be you'd like to ask us to help you find a place to serve. Again, if you would give us some sort of indication, you could call us, you'd give that card to the info booth or to an usher, and then we'll step in and try to help you become a part of this family. And in this family, the mission is that we will, in this place, bring you and be involved with you in good news. What is the good news? That even though this past year you may look and say, well, it wasn't a very healthy year, that next year can be different, more than this last year was. Because God says, I have a mission for you. And that good news is, I love you, I'm ready to forgive you, and I will be involved in your life through my church, through my people, until each one is complete in Christ. So let me give you this verse as we bring our Sunday morning church services uh, to a close in 2008. Here at the Lake Avenue Church family, we are committed to proclaiming Christ. And in doing so, we are going to admonish each one and teach each one with all wisdom so that we may present each one. Complete, perfect, fully mature in Christ. And that includes you. To his glory. Amen.